focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome back to Processing College Football. This is episode number 20. This is our championship review podcast. Last one of the season. So, as I said, Processing College Football. College Football podcast designed to educate and entertain I am Jason Randazza, your host, and with me, as always, Mark Catlin. Mark Catlin, tell me how you're doing this fine evening. I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, Not a whole lot to complain about, you know. Um, There was one game this past week. uh, We're going to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, it was. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. It was a very interesting game. Uh, one interesting note that you wouldn't have been able to see on your television out there is my eight-year-old son actually stayed up for the entire game Did and he? watched it. So it was a, it was a cool experience to be able to watch it with him, and it's his first kind of national championship to watch uh, from start to finish. Now let so, me ask you this: Was he able to fall asleep afterwards? Because I wasn't. Uh, he was very quickly. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> he was also very hard to wake up the next day for school. <laughs> Um, but wow, he uh, went to school the next day. See, I didn't go to work. Um, I had taken it off. So yeah, he unfortunately didn't put in to take off that day from school. Yeah, that's that's so, interesting. He didn't request you know, a vacation day. Didn't have it approved from the teacher, <laughs> but uh, that was fun to to watch it with him. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's let's get into it. I I mean, I normally tell people if they have questions they want want us to answer or topics they want us to discuss, uh, they should tweet at us. Uh, but I don't know when our next podcast will be. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. We'll definitely have some in the off season, but it won't be every week. Um, so in the meantime, we can just accumulate your questions and comments. You can tweet at us at processing CFB, um, or email us at processing college football at gmail.com. So let's, let's talk about this. This is, this is the college football championship game, Alabama v. Georgia. Uh, this happened on Monday night, 8 p.m. Alabama went into this a four-point favorite. So um, let me just kind of give an overview of how the game played out. So Georgia has the ball first, first Georgia drive. Alabama makes an interception on a ball that meant was meant for Javon Wims. It almost reminded me of that infamous strip at first blush because Alabama players seemed to rip it out of the Georgia players' hands. Uh, but then upon review, it really looked like Tony Brown, the Alabama player, uh, more or less had it the whole time and just tried to make sure he kept it, which he did. So it's a turnover. And this is, <laughs> if you're an Alabama fan, this is really how you like uh, an Alabama game to start. Um, so uh, the first drive... Uh, Alabama does get a first down, but then it kind of stalls, and it looks like they'll have to settle for a field goal. You know, fine. Uh, and the field goal is kicked. Looks good, except, wait, it doesn't count. False start. Back up, Alabama. The next one, wide left. Now, wide left. Remember that, because it becomes important later. Well, so wi- Wide left's a little generous. Just completely, <laughs> like, into the like, side of the stadium. Like, there's the stand. It was just, it never had a chance. It wasn't like, ah! Just a bit outside. Like you hit it directly into the corner of the stadium. It's now, I mean, I I think like his his plant foot kind of slipped a little bit um, on that second kick. So uh, it, it happens, and uh, and you can't fault him too much for that. So anyway, it's scoreless. Georgia gets the ball, and what's really weird here is Georgia has elite running backs, right? And they threw an interception on the first drive. So you think that Fromm and, like, whoever's calling the plays on the Georgia offense would be a little timid uh, and want to just run the stupid ball, but they still elect to throw the ball here. Georgia doesn't run the ball at all until their third possession. So this one, they're three and out. Um, Anyway, their third possession, they get it. And Georgia's sitting at third and 20. And then it's like, "Mm, they're probably not going to convert it here, and they really shouldn't. But then they hand it off to Sony Michelle. 
uh, and he bursts down the sideline like a tightrope for 26 yards, converts it. Um, and uh, they ended up, uh, this goes into the second quarter, and they end up getting a, a, a Blankenship, a Rodrigo Blankenship field goal here. So that dude's unbelievable. He, he really is. He's great. I think this is like a 41-yarder or something, so it's, it's a pretty decent uh, chip shot there. Um and and so here here's what I'll say. Alabama's possessions come and go uh, with, like, I think they had in the first half a total of uh, four conversions. Uh, I'll give the, the whole stats for the first half in the minute, but they can't run the ball, they can't pass the ball, and they're certainly not in any position to score after that, that first missed field goal. Um, and then, uh, you know, in addition to another field goal, Georgia manages to get a touchdown right before the half. So it's 13-0, to zero, uh, Georgia at halftime. And so at the half, here's where we are. Alabama has 94 yards of total product, offensive production uh, to Georgia's 223. Uh, Alabama has 21 passing yards, 73 rushing. Also, you should note, like, 47 of those 94 yards uh, were on the very first drive. Uh, so this half was dominated by Georgia. Uh, and in addition to that, time of possession was Georgia's by almost two to one. Um, Jalen was three for eight for twenty-one yards. Uh, so this kind of actually went went along with the question you and I talked about last week before the game. You know, what if both teams stopped the run? Because you know, while Alabama had a relatively anemic seventy-three yards uh, rushing. Uh, Georgia wasn't doing much better. They were at 97, and, and one of that was that big 26-yard Sony Michelle run. Um, so we thought in that case it would come down to Jalen Hurts uh, against Jake Fromm, and in that matchup, it, it was hard to say, but we really thought that, that Jake Fromm might have the edge there. Um, we did not predict, of course, that it could be anything different than that. So the second half starts out, and Jalen has been pulled... Tua is starting, and I know you have thoughts about that, uh, and we'll talk about that. A, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, the big feelings really seem to be when th- this call was made that uh, this was a, tr- a tremendous slight against Jalen, who had worked so hard to get the team to this point, point. Uh, and then also uh, this seemed to be a desperation move, honestly. Alabama's desperate for a spark, and so they're like, okay, let's put in this this true freshman quarterback who's never played a, a meaningful down in, in college football. Um, and and mostly, at first, it looks like it's not going to work. Tua goes three and out in the first drive. Uh, and on top of that, an offensive tackle, Jonah Williams, is hurt, and he's out for the game. Uh, on Alabama's next possession, Tua makes an incredible conversion on third and seven, running in one direction, nearly getting tackled by three Georgia players, but then he disappears like a magician or something, changes course, uh, makes a conversion. It really was an incredible play, and uh, he maintains the drive through the air. Uh, he, he gets several completed passes uh, and finally gets one to Henry Ruggs uh, for a touchdown. Uh, and Georgia responds in, in pretty short order. Uh, McColl... Hardman uh, makes an incredible 80-yard touchdown, um, and he's also tiptoeing along the sideline. He gets hit with a fair bit of force by an Alabama defender, but still manages to stay in bounds. So it's 20 to seven now, uh, and to a throughout throughout this whole half, really, it should be said, he keeps making these kind of rookie mistakes. Um, He's pushed out of the box under pressure from Georgia. He throws the ball into coverage, and instead of throwing it away, uh, it you know, like, it, it gets picked off. Uh, this is something Jalen would probably never have done. Um, and it really looks like Georgia uh, could win this, uh, seal this game. Except on the very next play, Jake Fromm bounces the ball off an Alabama player, and another Alabama player catches it. It, like, hits him in the helmet, and it just pops up. It, it looked like something out of a cartoon. And so by the end of the third, here we are. It's 20-10. to 10. Alabama seems to have some life. Uh, Tua continues to make Georgia, uh, like keep them guessing. Uh, he, he, he's not really the most efficient passer. I'm going to let that be said. Uh, but he's making plays and he's keeping the drives alive. Um, Alabama gets another field goal with about nine and a half minutes left in the fourth, uh, puts Alabama within a touchdown. And before long, 
uh, two is back there knocking on George's end zone. And so they're sitting at the seven yard line and they're unable to make anything happen on the first three downs. And Saban decides that they should go for it on fourth. Uh, and Tua connects with Ridley uh, to tie the damn game. Uh, so here we are. I think it's like three and a half minutes left. Uh, the game is tied. Georgia goes three and out. Alabama has less than two minutes uh, to get down the field and score. And I'll be damned if they don't make it to the Georgia 20-yard line. So we're like, okay, uh, Papanastas, Alabama kicker is up. No big deal. He's 14 of 15 uh, from this distance on the year. Uh, you know, the kick is up. And once again, it's wide left. Time runs out. We're going into overtime. And once again, not very close. Not, not, not just close. To, just not close. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut him just so many breaks because honestly, I was on. Like, I had some people over. We were all, you know, on the edge of our seats. Couldn't talk. We we're all so nervous, and I, I can't even imagine the tremendous pressure that he's under. Of course, you know, like uh, you would, you would hope that uh, an Alabama player would be conditioned for that, but. Anyway, so the game ends up going into overtime, and I think it's the first overtime in a national title game since, like, 2002. Georgia gets the ball first and ends up taking a sack to be at, like, 4th and 19 at the 34-yard line. And you think, okay, are they going to hand it off uh, and hope Sony Michelle or some or Nick Chubb can, can make something happen? No, they're going, to get, they're going to tell Rodrigo Blankenship to kick a 51-yard field goal, which he does. Um, and you think, okay, this game is 23-20. If this game ends with this score, that guy's getting a statue. Uh, so it's Alabama's ball, um, and, and Tua, first, first down, he makes another freshman mistake. Another thing Jalen would probably never do, uh, Tua's sacked for, like, a loss of 16. So it's second and 26. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's probably a good bet that Papanastas is in the fetal position at this point. Uh, so they really <laughs> need to get a touchdown or maybe just get a random fan to kick it. Uh, no big deal. Second down, Tua passes to Devonta Smith down the left side for a 41-yard touchdown Game over. Alabama wins 26-23. to 23. So, despite the lopsided stats going into the half, the game really ends really evenly. So, first downs, Alabama had 20. Georgia had 22. Total yards, Alabama had 371. Georgia had 365. Uh, Alabama threw for and completed 17 passes on 32 attempts. Georgia's 16 on 32. Um, I, I mean, this game... The first half aside was incredible to watch, uh, and it was a nail-biter, and Alabama was trailing the whole time. The only time they were ahead was at at that end, um, and it really looked like, like Georgia should, should uh, frankly, it looked like they should win. I feel like if this game was played ten times, Georgia might come out uh, winning at nine, nine of those times. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this was that that other one time. So Alabama wins. Congratulations to them. Nick Saban gets his fifth national title in nine years. Um, so every other year, I guess he gives he gives another team a a, a shot at it. Um, so so that was the game. I I know you have a lot of thoughts, and I'm eager to hear some of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, it's. Uh, I mean, the second half was incredible. Very exciting game. Um, and I think Saban will now, whenever he decides to quit coaching, when he is done, he will be widely known as the greatest college football coach of all time. Since this is his fifth in nine years, but six overall, now tying Bear Bryant, they now uh, both have, uh, they're tied for the most uh, in college football history. And Saban's done it what? People, most people think is a more difficult era to win because of you know mm-hmm. spread out scholarships and etc. Et and so, uh, yeah, I mean, congratulations to him. Congratulations to the Alabama team. Uh, unbelievable win. Uh, getting into the college football playoff. A lot of people said they shouldn't be in, and then they you know win the national championship. That's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll get into some other stuff. You know, um, but I think the the turnaround is a story. It really focuses on 
the Jalen being pulled and Tua mm-hmm. being put in in the second half. But the turnover is really the entire team. I mean, right. the first half, the defense, I, I don't think, played very well. I mean, you mentioned Georgia's rushing yards. I think they averaged something like seven yards a carry in that first half, which is just insane mm-hmm. uh, against a, an Alabama defense. In the second half, I think they averaged something like two-point-something yards a rush, which is more uh, what you expect from Alabama's defense. So there's that turnaround. Um that happens that Georgia was six of 11, I think on third down in the first half. And so uh, Alabama was one for six, one for six. And so you looked at it and I was like, Oh, this is the Auburn game. And this is how we lose, (laughs) you know? Um, And so it wasn't just the, and dumb penalties as well from Alabama in the first half. Uh, Like we got a 12 men on the field penalty because, Because I mean, I was irony off. of ironies yeah it, some guy was walking off that some guy is tony brown who happens to be a track star on the alabama <laughs> track team, right so the guy who's one of the fastest guys out there is walking off the field and we get a penalty for it it's like guys what in the world are you doing you had uh you know we'll talk about maybe this in a little bit but you had you know, uh, Makai Brown punch somebody yep. for a penalty for no reason, and then he goes off on the sidelines. You have uh, just uh, just all kinds of stuff happening uh, offsides. I think that gives Georgia a first down on one of their drives, mm-hmm. and so it's like, guys, what what do we do? Just all across the board. I think um, also that at least in my opinion, part of that defensive stuff is. Uh, we played a defensive scheme that I don't know that I'd really seen before. In the first half, for example, how many times did you hear Mika Fitzpatrick's name called? It just he just kind of wasn't there. And right. there was the way we were playing our safeties was weird on defense, which left the middle of the field wide open, and Jake Fromm was just tearing it up. Uh, on offense, the play calling was strange. Like at the end of the half, for example, we have the ball. There's a minute left. It's third and three, and instead of running the ball. Because that's what we do, and even if we don't get the first down and milks the clock where they can't drive, we throw it incomplete, leaves the cl- time of the clock for Georgia. At this point, it's only six nothing. Yeah, but we give them the opportunity to drive down, and on that drive, there were several penalties that kept it going, including at the very end of the drive, it would have been third, uh, third and goal from the three, I think, or something. Instead, on that play, roughing the passer, first and goal from the one. Right. <laughs> there's seven seconds left. It's like, guys, that does change. Like, what are we doing? And so I think one thing that gets lost in this whole thing is, don't get me wrong, Tua's second half was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's coming under the circumstances, the way that he can spin the ball is unreal, all that kind of stuff. But it was the entire team, the way they called the offense, the the defense playing, the way they called the defense, the way they, the changes they made there, everything, coaching, players, dumb penalties, all that stuff was changed in the second half. And so uh, one of the most astonishing things was the focus, again, is on Tua, but the transition that Alabama made from one of the worst halves of football yeah. to what they did in the second half was astonishing. Yeah. Um, in the first half, they looked like they just didn't want to be there. And one of the comments I made, and this was one of the fears, is and it's why Saban didn't want to call the Clemson game a revenge game. Mm-hmm. This is kind of an interesting psychological play, but... You call that a revenge game. Well, you get your revenge, and you're satisfied against Clemson, right? Right. And so, then, but you still have a championship game to play. And the past two years, that Clemson game has been the championship game. And so, I wonder. I just wonder if there was kind of a mental aspect of have we already won the championship um, in their minds? In that first half, it certainly looked like they felt that way. There's jogging around, walking off the field, lazy penalties. Sure. Um, and so, anyway, just uh, to me, the story of the game is not just Tua, although it's kind of the, maybe the best example of it, but the whole thing mm-hmm. from first half to second half was just astonishing. It's one of the most kind of unexpected and remarkable comebacks I think that you're ever going to see, especially on a stage that big. Sure. So, I mean, after this game, I just I, I have like a ton of questions uh, for you, but also just in general. So. <laughs> Again, I, I focused on it in my kind of overview of the game, but uh, one thing that clearly makes a difference to a game is kicking, okay? So I talked about Rodrigo Blankenship, who 
stood a decent chance during this game of basically just winning the entire game himself. Um, and then on the other hand, we have uh, our kicker, Papanastas, did not have a great day. Uh, and and it seems almost to be a, a recurring issue for Alabama not to have great kicking. And I just don't understand why that is. Uh, I I was talking to you a little bit before we started recording about how after you know 2013 when we had the kick six, you would have think you would have thought that maybe Alabama would be like okay, uh, we need to recruit a decent kicker. Now we also discussed about how that was probably not so much on the kicker, so much as a bunch of other factors. But still, Alabama number one in recruiting most every year, and if not number one, number two or three or something. Why why can we not get a a kicker? Like, I don't know, someone who can, I don't know, perform at a slightly higher level than we seem to be. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because I think if you were to look back at our past recruiting classes, we do recruit highly touted kickers also. And I don't know, I honestly don't know what it is, but, you know, so, I mean, you think back, I don't know, Cade Foster was a kicker that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was highly touted, but wasn't that good from long distances. Adam Griffith, <laughs> the kick six sure. guy, uh, he was highly touted coming out of high school as well. But just they just don't they're not consistent in the way that they play. And now you you know you have uh, Papanastas coming in there, and dude, the thing the thing about being a kicker is you have to have nerves of steel. The camera, the camera goes to Papanastas. It looks like he's gonna throw up, and I just said, <laughs> I said, Aww. there's no way that he's gonna win this game. Like he's, he's just like his face is very red. He's sweating, and I'm like, oh my god, what has he been doing? Like I hope he's been doing like hot yoga or Pilates or something over there because he's otherwise he's just completely stressed out and get, feeling sure. the pressure of the moment. I had zero hope. Zero hope that he was going to make that field. I was like, okay, let's go into overtime. I wonder if we can stop them. Like, I'm literally just not even considering that he could possibly make this because he just doesn't have the kind of composure to be able to do it. Sure. And meanwhile, Blankenship's looking like uh, Clark Kent over there or something. <laughs> that's a oh, that's such a good parallel with the glasses and everything. I mean, and so, yeah, you have that. And you have these other kickers. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I've asked the question for a while. What do we do to these guys when we get them? Yeah. Like something happens. We get them. And I don't know if it's somehow the pressure of playing for Alabama. It's like I, I've got to be whatever because everybody else is five-star and I'm just a kicker and all that kind of stuff. But, again, that's where the mental thing comes in. I mean, dude, I really don't know. I don't know if we have some kicking coach who just completely ruins their their mechanics or uh-huh. whatever it is. I have no idea. It is – it is by far the most confusing thing. And I think if you ask Saban, Saban would probably say, I have no idea. Yeah. Not, I don't know. I don't know why these guys can't do it. I don't know what we do. Because I think if he knew, it wouldn't be like this. Right. If there was some sort of – because he's big into like sports psychology. If he knew how to do that for kickers, I think he would do it. I don't – I mean, uh, if he knew a coach that knew like mechanics that could help sure. these guys out, Alabama I don't would know. have three of them. <laughs> probably and we would pull the starter and put in the backup just for fun i mean you know it's i don't so i mean dude i really have no idea huh. um i mean what, and it's interesting because our our punter jk scott he's very good we've had we've had great punters yeah we've had great punters so i, I don't know I don't, I don't know either it's, it's a mystery uh maybe maybe 2018 will be but, the, the year but i mean the alabama kicker I mean, the thing is, if we have a kicker, I mean, one if he if he makes, I mean, well, I should let me say this too. Okay, let's let's give him some credit. He did miss the first one and he shanked the game winner, but he did make two in the middle. That's true. That's true. And but if he does this is it, the recency one, primacy effect. You know, I remember the first one. I remember the last one. I remember nothing. Exactly, dude. I'm serious. After the game, I I like if you had asked me what were Pops on the stats, I would have said he was over two. That jerk. <laughs> that son of a. You know, but. He wasn't. He was two for four. If he doesn't make those middle ones, we lose. Right. True. True. You know. I mean. So I. There's a. Also, give him credit because there is something to. I think the end of game one, man, that was just too, too much for that, the handle. That's too he, much for pretty much he, anyone. He was gone. But to miss the first, well, actually, to make it, <laughs> to have it negated. Yeah. That's then true. to miss it, and then come back and make two in the middle of the game. There's also something to that, right? So. 
I mean, Papanasas, props to you for those two middle ones. Without it, Alabama does lose, right? Uh-huh. Um, True. And so uh, I, I, that's important. But man, I, I I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but I mean, right? That that is important because we should acknowledge that without that, uh, Alabama would lose. Because I think being a kicker, you're probably uh, more likely to get blamed than you are to get credit. Um, a lot of times, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. But there's a lot to discuss besides just kicking that I think kind of played into this game. So, um, one other big, I don't know, storyline or, uh, story that emerged from this game was there seemed to be, especially in the second half, just an inordinate number of penalties that really seem to go against Georgia. Um, now, bad calls, missed calls, they, they do happen in every game. You usually find at least a couple articles um, citing that these kind of are the reasons why, uh, you know, maybe a team fails or loses or something when they shouldn't. Uh, and this game's not different. Of course, it's a national title game. And we talked about uh, missed calls that uh, went against Alabama last year and, and uh, could have uh, affected the result. Um, so, as I said, this game's not different, but Georgia really seemed to have some rotten luck here. So, um, there was a Georgia offsides call that, you know, you look back at, at the tape and they don't seem to be offsides. Um, there is a, a face mask uh, that was not called on Alabama. Um, Mac Wilson uh, tackles Jake Fromm and slams his head into the, ga- the, the ground well after the play is dead. And, and what's weird about that one is you watch that one and the ref's standing right there. I, I mean, I don't know if he was really looking at it, but <laughs> no one called it. Uh, and then on the game-tying touchdown, Alabama committed a fairly obvious false start uh, that wasn't caught. Um, and, you know, that would have, uh, you know possibly changed the whole game actually any of these really could have changed the game um because it, it was so close um so i don't know if you have any thoughts about any of this yeah i mean i if i'm a georgia fan today mm-hmm. I, I, I let me put it this way if you are a georgia fan today i think you have a legitimate gripe um and the, these aren't small calls. They weren't at like meaningless parts of the game. With a game, especially that goes into overtime like that, it, a yard here or there matters. But we're talking about that all sides call you're talking about was at the beginning of the second half. We come out, two is in. We go three and out. Mm-hmm. We go to punt. We're backed up uh, he, uh, to, uh, I think it just been sacked. So, I mean, we're backed up. And that offsides negated a blocked punt, and Georgia would have started like in our at least in our twenty inside of our twenty, uh, right at the start of the half. We're down thirteen nothing, and they call offsides, and the guy's just not offsides. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he started to move, but he was not at the line. He was a couple yards back, and so he had started to kind of move, but he wasn't across the line, and. I, I mean, I, like they showed the replay, and I was like, my goodness, that is a dodge bullet. Then the face mask is right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia's ensuing penalty or ensuing uh, drive, we go to sack Jake Fromm, and the face mask penalty isn't called. That gives them a first down, continues that drive, and they still have momentum, even though they didn't get the block punt. I think those two right there are really our game changers because if they continue that drive or they get a drive and even just get a field goal, but especially if they score a touchdown with that block punt, that complete 20 to nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> beginning of the second half. I mean, that's, uh, that's huge. Right. Um, or even if it's 16 to nothing and, you know, momentum kind of swings back in their direction, all that stuff. I mean, those are two huge, huge, uh, Miss calls that if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm like, man, that is crazy how much was how much didn't go our way in the second half, in addition to you know Tua showing up and having a, having a great half. Sure. Um, so I man, I, I think they're huge. I think they're huge miss calls, uh, and I, I can't. I don't know. They're kind of inexplicable. Uh, the, the, the Najee Harris. I mean, the Jake Fromm shove in his head is like. Yeah, I think that's called most of the time. Or, right. um, 
you know, the false start. I mean, Najee Harris is clearly – he's got a couple steps, it feels like, before the ball snapped. Like, I saw it live, and I was like, okay, they'll stop the play. It just kept going, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Um, so I mean, let me actually it's, ask it's you about that. pretty uh, astonishing. So uh, a false start, I understand, uh, I don't know, maybe some of the basics uh, of how, how this works. But it, is he allowed to move at all before the ball is snapped, or he has to wait – because uh, he wasn't on the line. He was like a step or two back from it. Yeah, but it, it, he doesn't have to cross the line for it to be a false start. Like, if the running back takes a step forward, that's a false start. Okay, okay. Even even though they're however many yards behind the line. It's it's any movement. Okay. Uh, other than like a, a motion, right? If you move parallel to the line, there's certain players that can motion. But if you're, if you're standing there in a wide receiver stance and before the ball snap, you start to take a step, that's a false start. Okay. Um, and so, but all sides is different. Defense can move around all they want to. Uh, they just can't come across. They get into that neutral zone where the ball is. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're huge missed calls, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a, as a Bama fan, I guess I'm glad they weren't called or something. But I think they definitely changed the complexion and maybe even the outcome of the game. Sure. All right. On top of that, um, there was even more drama, uh, mostly on the Alabama sideline. Now, uh, we were discussing there was one Alabama player, I think, in the third quarter, um, uh, Kyrie McDonald, who uh, inexplicably, I can't find out any, any information about this, only that it was a non-football related or a non-athletic related medical issue. Uh, he just passes out, and he has to be kind of wheeled out on um, a gurney. Uh, I still don't actually have any updates about that, but uh, I wish him well. I hope he's doing okay, um, and uh, he's happy with the outcome of this game, even if he couldn't watch it in person. Um, and then we had another issue. This was not exactly sideline drama. This was, I don't know, on the field and off the field. Now, help me with this guy's name. I think it's pronounced Makai Brown. So Makai Brown, uh, he he gets a penalty called on him because he basically punches a Georgia player uh, in in the head, um, and then he's he's pulled off the field. Like one of the his his teammates basically like breaks it up. It's like what the hell are you doing? Uh, he gets pulled off the field, uh, and then he's clearly agitated. He's yelling, and he lunges at. Some coach it looked like. Um, and and then they, like, go pull him aside and they, like, sit him down. I don't know why this guy was not sent to the locker room right away. He, he had some anger issues he was working through. Um, Dude, I, it was one of the strangest things I've ever seen. I have no idea why this guy was so angry. But he was. And it, you punch a guy. I mean, that should be an automatic ejection. Right. Then on the sideline, stuff goes down. Whereas, like, coming out an assistant coach, your, your teammates have to stop you, drag you to, to the bench, and calm you down. And even from the bench, he's still yelling at everybody. He's yelling something about something to somebody. The amazing thing is, after the game and post-game conference, uh, in the news conference, the press conference, uh-huh. the, a reporter asked him, so, Makai Brown stayed the game, what was that about? And Nick Saban had no idea what he was talking about. Was really? like, uh, well, I mean, he got the penalty, but then, and Saban was like, but then he went back in, and he actually went back in. I don't know if you, yeah, he made this, like a was, crazy, he closed the guy, yeah. just like threw out his arm right yeah. on the kickoff cover and, and just basically closed line the guy. I was like, it was, I was like, I don't know how strong right, he guy is, but that's insane. It, but and he didn't break then, a stride at all. It was kind of remarkable. It was, it, it was, was an amazing it tackle. Was, it was incredible, but. I mean, I think the reporter's point was, yeah, why was he back on the field? <laughs> yeah, right. And and I think Saban, it seemed like Saban had no idea that there was a there was a like a, a scuffle on the sideline. Yeah, that he had come out. He was like, I don't know why you're asking about something negative when so many positive things are there. I'm like, he attacked your assistant coach. Like that's right. why he's asking about. It. Like what in the world? But apparently, Saban had no idea what was going on. Um, and it was it to me. I, so it just added to the. This game was strange. Yeah. Like, the first half especially, I was like, is this the national championship game? Like, what? what is this ha- that's happening? You got, you know, Kyrie McDonald just passes out, and he gets carried out on a stretcher. Then Makai Brown's blown up on the side. It's like, what? It, this is 
Tony Brown's walking off the field. It was just like, this is such a strange... I have no idea what's happening. Um, Do you think but, if Nick yeah. Saban had seen that, he would have thrown him? He would have sent him back to the locker room. I, he, I mean, I I hope. Yeah, <laughs> you, I hope can't, so too. you can't. You you definitely don't put him back on the field. He's <laughs> not like some centerpiece of your. If you can pull your starting quarterback that's gotten <laughs> you there, I think you can you know send Makai Brown to the to the locker room. Okay. I, it, it was it was weird. All right, so. Uh, on that subject, let's talk a little bit about uh, Jalen and Tua. Um, so, I think after after the fact, I mean, once the game was over, everybody questioned this uh, at the beginning of the third, like, what the hell are you doing? You know, Nick Saban putting in this this freshman quarterback who's who's never really played before. Um, uh, it... it it seemed odd. And then after the fact, everybody's like, oh, you know, Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time. This was a really bold play. And I guess I won't necessarily argue with that fact. Um, afterwards, Nick Saban said this is the happiest uh, he's ever been in his entire life after he won this game. Part of me thinks that's because he wasn't really expecting it. Like, it, it was a little bit of a desperation move. He puts Tua in and Tua actually manages to to get this victory. Um I mean, I think he seemed as as shocked as anyone. Um, but uh, I know you have thoughts about uh, kind of how this went down and maybe some of the reasons. So I'd lo- I'd love to hear them. Yeah, I mean, I'll try to keep this short. I mean, I'll tell, I want to keep this up. We won a national championship. Sure. But, roll Tide. Um, well, yeah, it rolled Tide. <laughs> uh, great ESPN commercial. But the I didn't like the move when he did it. Mm-hmm. And... I was wrong about one thing. It was it. I thought it was like, wow, we just kind of gave up on the game. But Tua came in and did better than I could have possibly have imagined. Right, a guy in that position doing so. In that sense, it, Nick Saban was right, I guess. Although the only thing I'd have to say about that is I have no idea what Jalen would have come out and done in the second half. Because mm-hmm. Jalen wasn't the only guy who played poorly in the first half. Like we talked about, everybody did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the defense played better in the second half. You know, that that wasn't too out there making tackles or intercepting passes. He was throwing interceptions. And so um, uh, to pull Jalen like that in my – I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of quitting on the team in some way, but that ended up not being the case. But I still don't like it, even though we won. Um because I just think it was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a guy, despite his troubles, who's gotten you to the national championship game in back-to-back years. Right. Uh, last year, he left the field with the lead against what I think is at least one of the best quarterbacks in college football history, and Deshaun Watson. And your defense collapses, and you give up a touchdown with one second, and he doesn't get a national championship. Before that, he was undefeated. Right. This year, he continues, and our defense isn't as good. He mm-hmm. only throws one interception all year. He leads a team to victory. Hey, who's the guy who threw you back to a victory? Not Ram, but threw you back to a victory against Mississippi State. That was Jalen Hurts to Devontae right. Smith for a touchdown to win against Mississippi State on the road. The, the only game he didn't really come back and win is the Auburn game. Mm-hmm. And Okay, well, Auburn was playing lights out at home. They'd also just beat another number one team that we also just happened to play, who turns out they're pretty freaking good right. in Georgia. And they didn't just beat Georgia. They owned Georgia in that game. So that's his one like big loss that I think you can really say he didn't step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. With all that said, he has a chance to come back. He plays decently against Clemson. He doesn't do go all world on you, but he also doesn't make mistakes, and he makes good decisions and good plays those a couple touchdown passes one to your defensive lineman who's playing on offense another calvin ridley and you can't put him in for at least one series coming out of half just to give him a chance after all that to win you a championship yeah i it's hard for me to cheer for that and so if the entire second half it was very hard for me to be excited about what was happening with tua because i'm like dude i and this is old school of me, but I think it's also kind of Alabama. It's one of the reasons I love Alabama. Stick with what got you there. Hand the ball off to Bo Scarborough and Damian Harris. Run it with Jalen. Throw some swing passes and get out there. And if your defense plays a little bit better, 
you wear down the other team and win. I mean, if we don't make a bad decision at the half to throw the ball and stop the clock, and Papanasis makes his field goal, it's 6-3 to three going into halftime mm-hmm. with Jalen playing a terrible game. This isn't all on Jalen. You know right. what I'm saying? And so to to say, okay, Jalen, we're going to pull you and put into a – I just didn't like it. I think you got to honor the guy <clears throat> for what he's done the entire season. I think you're if you're process-oriented, if you're identity-oriented, then you stick with what got you there. And Saban literally just said, I don't believe in you. And right. I, I just I, – I think you lose. Even if we go on to lose, I think you lose or you win with Jalen. Two is going to have his chance to win his national championships in years to come, and he's obviously talented. Let him do that later, but don't take it from Jalen. Give him an opportunity to win the championship for your team. And the other reason that it's continued to bother me is, okay, so let's say it was the quote-unquote right decision. In the post game. Mm-hmm. Can somebody just pull Jalen Hurts up on stage and get him a picture with his team holding up the championship yeah. trophy? Can somebody just say, I mean, over and over again, hey, guys, this wasn't about one game. This was about a season, and Jalen got us here. Yeah, Like, I, I, I could not believe that Nick Saban didn't lead the charge and drag Tua into saying, hey, we got to honor Jalen in this, man. Hey, to a great job in that second half, man. You really provided a spark. But there's no second half of a national championship game without Jalen's 13 games before yeah. that. Yeah. And th- the other side of it to me is when you really start to think about it, <laughs> I mean, when you think about what these guys do and why we like to watch it, uh-huh. they sacrifice their bodies, man. Yeah. I mean, they, they put their bodies on the line. And Jalen especially does because he runs and he doesn't slide a ton. He's taken on linebackers and quarterbacks and linemen in the run game. And to, for a guy to me to sacrifice like that and you not honor him at the end of the season, I just I, it's hard for me to get on board with that. And I, know, I, I don't know if I'm trying to – if it sounds like I'm glorifying this too much or I'm some sort of old school pushover or whatever. I just – I found it hard to cheer for that, especially then in the postgame, not give him the honor that he's due. Uh, I mean, it, so hey, you know, everybody decides. The media people decide. We want these guys. We want Jerron Payne sure. and Tua, which makes sense because they're the MVPs or whatever. Dude, Saban, go drag your quarterback who's gotten you there the past two years onto the freaking stage and say this guy deserves to be here. Right. I, 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 that's what I would have liked to see. On the other hand, you have Jalen who's getting interview after interview after interview after interview about oh, man, how did you deal with being pulled in the freaking national right. championship game? And he was unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. Tua did a great job. I'm proud of him. I said, and the, who was the first one out there? His first Tua's first touchdown pass. First guy to congratulate him on the field is Jalen Hurts. Yeah. He said, this is the team win. He was excited. I think he was genuinely excited. That yeah. dude's smile was ear to ear. And he is the consummate team player. And I just cannot believe with a guy like Saban who says it's not about one player. It's about a team effort. Did not honor Jalen in the way that he should have been on it. And so I, I, I really struggled with this, even though we won, even though two had a great second half, I really struggled with it. And the other thing future wise for Alabama that bothers me is there's no way that you can go back to Jalen now. There's well, just no way. So I actually want to talk about that a little bit because I, I'm not really convinced that that's true. So uh, I, I had some thoughts about this myself and I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, but <laughs> I was reading some articles that, described Jalen Hurts as kind of the the quintessential Alabama, and I think by that they meant uh, Nick Saban quarterback. Basically, uh, he doesn't make a, a lot of mistakes. Uh, he's uh, a dual threat, but he's he's more of of a runner, um, and you know, like he's reliable. I mean, Tua played a half, and he he threw uh, an interception. He got sacked a, a, a number of times for for big losses. Um, these are the sort of things that we're not used to, to Jalen Hurts doing. And I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like in this game uh, or, or all season long, it's, it's been that uh, reliability uh, that's kind of had Alabama winning. Um, I think in this game, Nick Saban, and he even said this, he, he thought that he could see m- more success uh, in the passing game. And he thought that Tua was better would be the the better choice to actually deliver that. So like Jalen Hurts, if if Nick Saban goes back to him being the starter next year, 
I think that makes total sense. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed, but I, I do think that Jalen Hurts is really, I don't know, he, he's he's better set up just because he's he's more reliable and he doesn't make a, a lot of dumb mistakes. Again, yeah, he threw one interception all season long. For, there's, there's two reasons why I think he, he's not going to be able to go back to Jalen that I can think of right now. Uh, one, you start Jalen next year in that first game, his first incomplete pass, the stadium turns on you. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> if he doesn't go 10 for 10 in the first half and three touchdowns, your fan base turns on you and everybody's calling for Tua. Um, and maybe Tua transfers because right. uh, he's not getting play time. There's just no way that you can do that. And I think the second reason is uh, I really think that Brian Dable doesn't know how to call a game based on Jalen's strengths. And I'm not saying it's a fault of Brian Dable. I'm saying that Jalen and, and Brian don't go together very well. Brian, When you think about where Brian Dable is coming from, he hasn't been in college in, what, like 18 years in the college mm-hmm. game? He's been in the professional ranks, and for a long time now, he's been with the Patriots. Who's the Patriots quarterback? It's Tom Brady. The greatest passer of all time, maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe I think that people, a lot of people would say he's the greatest quarterback of all time, if you include intangibles. Maybe not the best pure passer, maybe Dan Marino is or something like that. But when you think about Tom Brady, you don't think, man, win a game with your legs. <laughs> right? <laughs> he's not running anywhere, but he can make all the throws and has for a long time. That's where that's the offense that Dable's coming out of. And now he comes here, and it's Jalen Hurts, who can throw the ball all over the place, but his accuracy is not what, obviously, Tom Brady's is. <laughs> but it's also just not one of his own strengths, but he right. can run the ball. Lane Kiffin, I think, knew how to work with that. And when you think the other thing is you think about what Jalen's been through. Okay, Lane Kiffin, I think they had a pretty good rapport. Man, Lane Kiffin really knew how to draw the best out of him. Championship game, you switch it up. Steve Sarkeesian is suddenly his offensive coordinator. Yeah. What in the world? But he still performs. This year, you bring in Brian Dable, who I really don't know if he knew how to coach to, to Jalen's strengths. I think he does know how to coach to Tua's strengths. And so I, I don't think you can start Jalen. Maybe you can mix him in next year. But if he throws an incomplete pass, everybody's going to freak out. That, that's where everybody's at right now. Sure. You quit. You quit on him. You abandoned him, and there's no going back to him, in my opinion. And I just, I cannot believe that he did it because I, I don't know. He just did it for that game, and I think there's you, there's championships down the road with Tua mm-hmm. and who we, who we have having back. It's just unbelievable that he did it, and so I think the fan base would turn on you. And I don't think that Dable is going to be able to be a good offensive coordinator for a guy like Jalen. So in my opinion. I don't think he can for at least those two reasons. Um, and maybe the third one is I think two would transfer and you lose that talent. Sure. I don't think you can do that for the future of your team. So honestly, my hope is that Jalen transfers uh-huh. to and gets a head coach that's offensively minded and more creative or gets an offensive coordinator that can coach to his strengths. I mean, Greg McElroy throughout Texas and Tom Herman. Now, I think that'd be a match made in heaven. A coach like Tom Herman and Jalen, those two combined, but uh, they have a, they, I think they have a lot of young quarterback talent there. But uh, heck, go to maybe it's a lesser program, but go to FAU and Lane Kiffin and flourish there. I don't know, mm-hmm. but, but but find a place where they know how to coach and play to your strengths. Um, knowing Jalen, though, I mean the consummate team player that he is, it wouldn't surprise me if he does stay. Do you um, do you think that he but, would have uh, success in, if he switched to another role? Um, there was an Ohio State player that did this. Uh, yeah, Hicks. Brax, Braxton, Braxton Hicks. Yeah. yeah. Brax, well, Braxton Hicks is those are fake pregnancy contractions or birth contractions. Oh, yeah, Braxton, right. Braxton, well, Braxton, Miller. Braxton Miller. Yeah, Miller. Braxton yeah. Miller. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh man. Uh, I, yeah, Hicks having four Braxton. having. Having four kids, I'm familiar with my wife's Braxton Hicks. It's like, it's not Braxton Hicks, bro. But um, when you said Hicks, I said Braxton, and it just all came together. But, yeah, Braxton Miller switched to wide receiver. But I don't think that's – Jalen, I think, is too good of a quarterback to do do that because he can throw. He needs to develop as a passer. But, man, he's got a friggin' arm on him. Yeah. Um, and I think, in a, again, a guy like Lane Kiffin could really coach him up. So, I mean, uh, all that to say, I – 
I was shocked that he did it. I still don't think it was the right move, to be honest with you, for the team. I think especially moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing that people got to calm down on a little bit, look, Tua is unbelievably talented. And he came in in a pressure situation and performed really well. You've pointed out some mistakes that he made, but also Georgia didn't scheme for Tua. Yeah, They sure. had two years of tape on Jalen. Kirby Smart has seen him every day at practice. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, or no, no, Kirby, I guess, was already gone. But you know how to scheme for Jalen and all, and all that kind of stuff. It, you can't expect necessarily that this second half that Tua had is going to transfer suddenly to every time that he gets on the field to perform. Sure. I mean, teams are going to spend a long time this summer, this spring, this summer SEC teams now know Tua. You put him in there. And so – I don't know that you can just expect him to come out and do exactly what he did. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I think you compromise the future of your team. I think you compromise the relationship you have with Jalen. And I think you don't honor him the way that he ought to be honored, give him a chance to win the game. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I didn't like it. And so it's been it's honestly been hard to be really excited about this national championship for that mm-hmm. reason. Um, but, you know, it, it – as Saban would say, it is what it is. Um, and uh, I think it, as far as winning the game, it may have been the right coaching move, and it'll go down as a great move in history. And Tua mm-hmm. played phenomenally. And, hey, there's another national championship out there, but I, I hate it for Jalen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, it would be easier to, to take, I think, if, if he just wasn't such a likable guy uh, all around. Um you know, like, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, okay, so there are uh, a few other things I want to talk about before we uh, end here. Um, while we are talking about quarterbacks and whatnot, so Tua, at the end of the game, was interviewed, and uh, someone was asking him basically about the last play, and I actually have the quote that he, he used here. And I, I truthfully, I heard it, and I'm like, I, I don't really know half of what he's saying. Um, so he, he, here's what he said. Uh, when asked about uh, the last play, he said, well, they had split safeties. Uh, the safety on Devonta's side, on the single receiver side, he tried to disguise his coverage. I tried to look him off. He stayed in the middle. Then I went back outside. It was cover two on, on that side, but he stayed inside. I took a shot downfield, and he caught it. <laughs> what in the world does any of that mean? I know what uh, safeties are. Um, yeah. I I know roughly what what coverage is, and and I know who Devonte is, but everything else uh, makes no sense to me. Split safeties, don't know. Cover two, have no idea. Um, yeah, so so split off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's funny. Yeah, so I mean, split safeties and cover two is you just have um, two safeties that mm. are back, uh, and their split just means that. And this is kind of cover two as well. You have two safeties that are the same depth. One safety is responsible for the right side of the field. Mm-hmm. The other safety is responsible for the left side of the field. So they're split and they okay. cover two. So two guys split, cover two back there. And you have five guys underneath that are uh, covering the underneath routes. Now, the interesting thing, well, I guess I'll continue to decode what he said. So there's just basically there's two guys and they're there to cover the deep ball. Now, what's supposed to happen is then the corner that's on, well, he said the single receiver side. On one side of the line of scrimmage, we had three wide receivers. Right. Devontae was a single receiver, meaning just there was he was the only guy on that side of the line. Okay. Um, and so he was saying on the single receiver side, you have this guy try to disguise his coverage. Which means what? Which means if you look before the ball is snapped, that's the safety on Devontae's side. Mm-hmm. started to to move back like he starts to move and mm-hmm. so Tua saw that and it's like oh he's trying to, to disguise his coverage in other words he's he's trying to make me think he's going to do something but is he really going to do that thing so um and because what ends up happening is the safety before the ball snapped he's running toward kind of that his side Devontae's side to the corner of the end zone like he's going to guard pretty deep mm-hmm. which is interesting where Devontae ended up going and so when the ball is snapped, Tua says he looks him off. And so what Tua does is he's looking at the other side of the field. Uh-huh. So you have the 
the one wide receiver over here, where the three wide receivers are, two, uh, if you look at the play, he's looking away from Devontae. Uh-huh. And what that what look him off means is that safety is partially reading the quarterback. And right. Where is he going to throw it? And so he doesn't move toward Devonte anymore. He stops his movement and stays in the middle of the field, right there on the hash mark. And so after Tua looks to the right side of the field, okay, Devonte has gone a little ways down. Now he looks to the to the Devonte side of the field. The corner has kind of released him, right? Because what he expects is that safety is covering that side of the field deep. Okay. And so he that safety did not go with him. And so by look him off, Tua means I help basically my looking to this side of the field kept the safety from going to where Devontae was going to be. And so he looks over, the safety, he held him off. Safety didn't go with Devontae and pick him up after the corner released him. So he's like, all right, I'll zip it in there. And so he throws it for a touchdown. Now, the the interesting part about that is one, it's just an unbelievable throw. Yeah. It is an absolute dart, like on the line, 41 yards, which is just insane, and on the money in stride. And it had to be. And the, the shocking part about it is, I mean, second and 26, the reason they're in cover two with split safeties in the back is that's what you do when you're expecting or to keep a team from throwing the long ball. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to cover like uh, going deep, which is kind of what Alabama has to do. And so the fact that Tua threw it uh, is surprising. The fact that Georgia didn't cover the wide receiver deep is surprising. It's a blown coverage. That coverage is is designed to stop that play, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to stop that scheme. And Georgia just did not execute. And and Tua Tua threw an unbelievable pass. So that safety basically thought he wasn't going to have to do his job. He's like, oh, he's looking to the other side of the field. I'm he, probably not going to have to do anything. He, he's looking at the other side. Either, and this is why the way that Tua threw it is important, either I'm not going to have to cover anybody because he's going to throw it to that side and there's three receivers over there, or I don't have to – I'm going to cheat to the side where he's looking because I have enough time, given how far this ball has to go, to make up ground. Uh-huh. But because Tua didn't throw like a big looping pass and a lot of air underneath it, uh-huh. he didn't have time. And so throwing it the way that Tua did, kind of on that line, just a dart, I don't think the safety, and this is part of like, hey, we don't know how to scout Tua. I don't think the safety had any idea that Tua Tua could throw a ball like that. Right. I mean, good gravy. It was, I mean, he spun the ball beautifully. Yeah. Um, And I think the safety was just completely taken off guard. Like, well, holy ish, man. All right. I guess we lost. But, like, dude, that's your side of the field. Right. That's the one guy that you have to cover. Right. He just lets you go. I mean, it, so it was it was an amazing play by Tua, but also kind of a broken coverage by Georgia, sure. which is why if you watch it, the corner who I mean Devontae Smith's like ten yards beyond him, right? He sees him catch it, and he's like, "What in the world?" Right. Well, I, I mean, and actually, that corner, I think. I think he was trying to keep up with him. I think Devonta Smith is just really fast. Well, um, I, I, I'm not saying he fully released him. I think he kind of tracked with him as he was going, yeah. but he wasn't. He wasn't trying to keep with him stride for stride, as if it were man coverage. Like this is my guy, and I got to stick with sure. him. Sure, because I don't. He's not that slow. But he's he, he was also that the corner was also supposed to like trying to like uh, like keep him at the line, right? Uh, I mean, maybe you jam him a little bit, but. His his job is to kind of run with him a little bit, but the reason that he wasn't running full speed and kind of released him is he's also got to pay attention to if there's an underneath route. Because oh. if he just runs with Devontae, you got a safety and a corner, and then he throws it underneath, there's yeah. not a, nobody between that receiver once he gets the ball in the end zone. And so he's got another responsibility, which is why he's looking at the safety like, dude, are you serious right now? <laughs> Our defense is designed to stop this freaking play. And he's behind you. How is he behind you? He's not just like further, closer to the sideline. He's behind you. Yeah. That should be impossible. And so that's why I still want his hands up in there. All right. Um, well, it was a heck of a play, a heck of a way to, to end the, the game, to end the season. Um, Which, by the way, I think it, while this happened, like he gets sacked. And I think I'm in the middle of saying, oh, man, we really didn't deserve to win this game anyway. While the ball's in the air. Sure. Touchdown, and I was like, "And we just, we just won. We won the national championship." I have no idea what's happening. Right, it was wild. It was wild. So, I mean, 
before we kind of go, I think uh, we should talk a little bit about how um, uh, Alabama and Georgia are set up for the future. I mean, one thing that was interesting about the, the, the second half was just how dominated, especially on the Alabama side, it was by, by true freshmen. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously Tua is a true freshman. Uh, Devonta Smith, another freshman, um, the, the player who came in um, uh, to uh, replace Jonah, replace Jonah, another freshman. Yeah, I, don't, Alex, I don't have his name. Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, uh, another another freshman. Um, True freshman starting at left tackle for the second half. I mean, holy crap! I mean, that that was I. That should be more of a story in my mind. Left tackle. Dude comes in, holds it down really well. Yeah, I mean, true freshman, unbelievable. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was, and then and then Ruggs, uh, Henry Harry Ruggs, what? Henry, Henry, Henry Ruggs. Ruggs, the the third, uh, another another freshman. Jerry so, Judy, Jerry Judy caught a pass. Sure, true sure. freshman. Henry Ruggs, the third. Devontae Smith, obviously the touchdown at the end. Najee Harris, true Najee freshman. Najee Harris, another another freshman. Uh, did <laughs> I mean? So, Yikes. so yeah, basically, I, I, was, I was like, okay, you know, if you're looking ahead to the future, if Alabama wasn't going to be the preseason number one, then you have to think that that whoever makes these decisions sees this half of the game and they're like, okay, all those people are freshmen, <laughs> they're not going anywhere, uh, and they just basically helped their team win a national title. Um, so, so they're really bought in now. Um, so uh, I, I think that you you have Alabama, which they lose a lot. Um, I mean, Calvin Ridley's going. Uh, he's already declared for the NFL. Bo Scarborough's declared. Deron Payne declared. Minka Fitzpatrick, we assume so. Uh, it hasn't it hasn't been confirmed. Damian Harris, curiously, uh, is deciding to stay, um, which is good for Alabama. But I, I kind of wish he'd change his mind a little bit uh, and and go and get paid. Um, but um, yeah, Alabama's obviously reloading. Uh, I, I, I know that there are a number of other people. You said a lot of, uh, is it the offensive line or it, it, uh, we got a lot of seniors who are moving on. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're, I mean, we got a couple of seniors on the, on the offensive line, but I mean, yeah, Jonah, Jonah's a sophomore now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Leatherwood coming in, true freshman. He looks pretty good. We got some guys coming. We got some guys coming back everywhere, basically, except for defensive back. Yeah. Um. So I, I, we're pretty well set up for the future, man. It's kind of insane. I mean, losing Calvin Ridley, stri- strangely enough, is not that big a blow. Given, I mean, those three guys that we mentioned at wide receiver. Sure. They got a lot of playing time, a lot of experience. I think we're going to be extremely deep. I mean, Damian Harris coming back is very strange. Yeah. Especially since we have Najee Harris, we have Josh Jacobs back there, who are good running backs. But uh, man, I we're very well set up for the future. Sure, and Georgia also is. Uh, pro- <laughs> it's probably basically going to be uh, Alabama and Georgia again uh, next year as kind of the SEC powerhouses, um, plus or minus Auburn. Uh, I mean, they lose Rokon Smith, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb, um, but obviously Jake Fromm. Uh, is just going to continue to develop. Um, I, I did hear that uh, Jacob Eason is transferring to Washington um, after he was injured. He was obviously uh, kind of uh, had Jake Fromm replace him. Uh, but he's he's from Washington, as I understand, or he's at least from the, the West Coast. So uh, going back home and uh, kind of finding some playing time out there will be good for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Georgia is currently, I think, still has the, the number one uh, recruiting class, so uh, yeah. obviously they're they're going to be uh, pretty comfortable. And I think they they had some seniors on that defense. Uh, well, I mean the two guys that got beat for the right. touchdown, they were seniors, but you know that happens. Um, but then the other thing is, it, it's a very similar situation to Alabama in some sense with the quarterback and the running back. DeAndre Swift is the guy behind Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. And everybody thinks he might actually be the best all-around back yeah. that they have. And he's a true freshman as well. And so, I mean, 
Georgia's going to be Georgia and Alabama would be good for a while. Yeah, and then they have Riley Ridley, who I think is a freshman as well. Uh, Calvin Ridley's brother, who made a lot yeah. of uh, kind of clutch plays in this game. Yeah. Um, even though he made, they kept saying this during the game. He made eight receptions all year, and I think in the first half of this game he made like four or five. Um, I think yeah, he that was, had a, that was a touchdown pass. Um, so yeah, good for him. And he, he could definitely be a force this next year. I think they just didn't even utilize him. Um, I just don't think he was a target. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the, one of the reasons we didn't hear Minka's name is I think they put Minka on one of their better wide receivers and he just didn't catch anything. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, Minka was just unbelievable. And so I think Jake Fromm is like, I guess I'll throw the guy I've never thrown to before because that guy's just not open. Um, but, yeah, I think both of these teams are going to be really good moving forward. I don't know how many times we'll meet in the national championship game. Sure. Um, but right. we, we could be meeting in Atlanta for a couple years sure. uh, in a row here. It'd be a nice little rivalry to cultivate, and uh, Saban will continue to beat his old assistants, and it'll be fine. Sure. All right. So uh, that's that's it for processing college football for this college football season. Uh, it's been really great processing with everyone. Um, thank you for listening. Now, uh, make sure you are subscribed to us because even though we won't be back next week, uh, we do expect to release uh, intermittent podcasts here. Mark and I have talked about it. I think we're going to um, uh, check in again. National Signing Day? Is that letter what? Yeah, National Signing Day, uh, first week in February. We'll definitely check in after that just to take stock of how things went. And sure. There might be some things here or there if there's like, a, I don't know, some big coordinator or assistant leaves, which kind of has already happened. But, yeah. um, but also, like, if somebody doesn't leave, like, I think once we know who's leaving and who's staying, Sure. As far as players, we might do something. But then also, like, the A-Day game. Yeah, the, our sp- the draft. Our spring game. The draft. There's so there's a few yeah. kind of big things uh, before you know SEC media days over the summer and stuff like that. So there'll be a few times that that we'll be out there back on yeah. uh, the podcast universe. But dude, uh, it's been a ton of fun, uh, and I'm glad we got this thing started. It's been a blast. So yes, thanks for thanks for doing this. Yeah, and we got some exciting things planned for year two. So as oh, I yeah. said. Make sure you are subscribed. We will try not to uh, clutter your podcast feed with uh, stuff you're not interesting in, interested in. Um, I promise uh, it will be uh, good things. So um, until then, uh, until next time, yeah, keep on processing. <laughs> <laughs>